Hey. Hi, friends. <laughs> it's Ashley. And Katie. And today, we are bringing you a mini-sode. Mini. I was going to try and sing a song, but honestly, the first song that was coming to mind was... Um, and that's, you know, that is a real song, so I can't sing that. <laughs> so I won't. Oh but know that the intent is there. <laughs> So you guys are going to notice that it's just the two of us for this little mini. Liz has decided that like for the sake of her mental health, she needs to avoid in-depth discussions about the presidential election. Mm-hmm. And, and we totally feel that. Yeah, no, <laughs> totally understand that. So um, Ash and I are going to do just like a short series, long series, however many, just about voting the election and little things like that because it's something that her and I are both really passionate about and want to learn as much as we can about it and are hoping to kind of share the things that we've learned. <laughs> yep. So I, I think we should start with yours first, with your research first. Yeah. Yeah. So um, <laughs> for this one, I'm just going to lay down a quick history <laughs> of voting. There's been from like the conception of America to now voting has like rapidly evolved which is great because to get to where we are right now which isn't like the best as we're going to discover but to get to like the voting system that we have now we had to start somewhere and honestly (laughs) imagining a lot of these things before all of this stuff existed has been really funny so (laughs) i'm on scholastic.com and they have this really great timeline for the voting system. Um, I love that it's scholastic. I know, right? Because I loved those book days in school. Oh, yeah, and the the papers that they sent home to, like, sell the books. It's, like, so exciting, and you, like, want all of them. Yes. Real gets that at school. (laughs) And he's so excited about it. Okay, so one of the first things that we did was establish the Electoral College, which is... um, an interesting jumping off point, and we're going to talk about that really quickly. So step to the side for like a hot second. <laughs> I wish like, you guys could see the arm movement Katie just made. <laughs> um, <laughs> I need to stop doing that. So the electoral college system is something that a lot of people are super frustrated with, myself included. Yes. I'm not necessarily like super stoked. Because it seems like it'd just be, like, really easy to do one vote, one person, the most amount of people who vote for it, that person is elected. That, to us, yep. is, like, true democracy, basically. Mm-hmm. Popular have, vote. Popular vote. But we have this, like, middle layer of the Electoral College that exists for a really interesting reason. Mm-hmm. So I dove into That's this place... And I got to this website, factcheck.org, which from the sounds of it, pretty legit. Yep, 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 yep. The reason, this is a direct quote, the reason that the Constitution calls for this extra layer rather than just providing for the direct election of the president is that most of the nation's founders were actually rather afraid of democracy. James Madison was worried about something that he called factions, 
which he defined group as groups of citizens who have common interests in some proposal that would either violate the rights of other citizens or would harm the nation as a whole. So he's just like super worried about bad people getting a majority of the population, at which point they could then essentially just take over and like, it would be tyranny, which is like exactly what we're like not trying to go for. Yep. Uh, Alexander Hamilton wrote in the Federalist Papers, the Constitution is designed to ensure that the office of the president will never fall into the lot of any man who is not in an eminent degree endowed with the requisite qualifications, and that the point of the Electoral College is to preserve the sense of the people, while at the same time ensuring that a president is chosen by men most capable of analyzing the qualities adapted to the station and acting under circumstances favorable to deliberation and to a judicious combination of all reasons and inducements which were proper to govern their choice. Super wordy statement. And I was was laughing there because... Because Because it didn't work. Because it didn't work. (laughs) It didn't work at all. It didn't work at all. I thought that people... Because this person is not qualified at all. This person's not qualified. That, that sentence qualified. really made me laugh. And then when James Madison was going into the idea that he didn't want someone gaining power that would violate the rights of other citizens or would harm the nation as a whole, I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. Like right now. Yeah. Which is devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have the electoral college system to make sure that there's sort of like that's supposed to be the checks and balances of voting. Yeah. And it didn't work. And a part of that is because of the people who are the electoral college, the individuals who make up our electoral college right now. Yes. There is so much corruption going on and people being paid to lean certain ways. And it's, uh, it's honestly astounding. This is how it happened because these people aren't truly looking out for the, the, the people of their nation. Honestly, John Oliver has a phenomenal episode about the electoral college system. Yes. And I wanted to watch it before we did this episode, but then I didn't want to watch it because I didn't want to take things from it like exactly because yeah. John Oliver is like my hero and I would love, we talk about him all the time when we're like researching for the show and stuff because <laughs> it's just so funny and does comedy news so, so well. It's so and, funny that you bring up that you were going to watch an episode of his because I was going to watch an episode of his on gerrymandering and then I was like, no, I got this. <laughs> Right, but he did an episode on it a few years ago, and or maybe a year ago. And I no, it was probably when the election was happening. Yeah. Now that I think about it, oh wow, time. Um, and it's just it really breaks things down really well, and I highly recommend anyone who doesn't understand how the system really works and wants to know more that they watch that episode because he can explain it better than I can, and I'm not going to try and say what he said because I will butcher John Oliver's gloriousness. So just think about those two quotes that I read from Alexander Hamilton and James Madison as we talk about the rest of the history of voting. Um, 
So that was the first thing that we did. We were first like safety net for these dumbass people who are going to vote for people because we don't trust them. They might be stupid and elect the wrong person if we let them do everything. Mm-hmm. Then George Washington gets elected as the first president in 1789. I don't think anyone can be like, fuck George Washington. I'm pretty sure we're all down with George <laughs> I've never met anyone who's like, I fucking hate George Washington. Literally, yeah, no, never in my life. I, if I'm being honest, I don't, I was never good with history because I'm terrible with like numbers and stuff and dates and everything. I don't really remember much about like his specific policies and everything, so. I guess the reason a lot I've never heard anyone really talk trash about George Washington is because as we're learning about him, we're like being really young kids. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily something that we as children know to do. Especially like, because shit. they oversimplify everything for kids. Oh, yeah. Weren't we told Columbus was great? Uh- <laughs> 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 oh, we were also told drugs are bad. Okay. Um, so. <laughs> 1820, between 1820 and 1830, as states start joining the Union, they're allowed to create their own constitutions, and they get to decide who gets to vote, which I think is super, super cool. And um, the following sentence after that immediately takes all of that coolness away, because eligible voters are mostly white males who own property. So at first I'm like, yeah, there's so much opportunity for people to be able to vote. Like, they get to decide. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, people were really shitty back then. And it's just white males who own things. It's um, apparently... It's funny that it's not all white males. It's white males who own things. You have to own shit to matter. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Apparently a small number of free black men are allowed to vote. And I'm assuming that's somewhere up in the north. But I don't know. Yeah, definitely. As a lot of people know, 1840, women begin to organize to petition for suffrage so that women can start voting. That's when that movement begins. Um, Eight years later, Wisconsin joins. And they're like, we have super liberal voting laws. They allow people living here from other countries the right to vote, but only if they've lived in Wisconsin for a year and, like, plan on becoming United States. For some reason... I really like it. For some reason, though, I couldn't stop laughing at the idea of just, like, someone coming and being like, yeah, no, I've been, like, living in those trees back there for a year. You've seen me. I shaved my beard, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally plan on becoming a citizen. Like, it just seems so... We just used to, like, take people's words for things. We're like, yeah, no, I've been here for a year. For sure. I'm going to vote in this. So Wisconsin comes in, and they're like, yeah, no, uh, you guys can... Vote. Not if you're a woman, though. But, like, if you've lived in another country, you've been here for a year, yeah, you can vote in our state, which is cool. Um, Then things kind of, this is when more things of, like, you know what, we really want to be sure that just people that we like can vote. So then little, like, groups in 1850 started popping up, like, know-nothings, trying to create literacy laws uh, to make sure that you have to pass a literacy test in order to vote. But uh, since a lot of people at the time, black people and poor people and immigrants couldn't read, they were then denied the right to vote. Which, just remember, that's in 1850. 1850 is when literacy laws 
started popping up. Just keep that date in the back of your mind, grapes. Uh, bam, Civil War, 1860. All of that stuff happens. Civil War comes to an end, blah, blah, blah. Uh, 1866, we passed the 14th Amendment. States that men over the age of 21 who are residents of the United States have a right to vote. And you can't, uh, any laws or any states that like try and mess with that, you're going to lose electoral votes. So like if you guys try and stop people from voting for, that don't fit in with 21-year-old resident men of the United States, we're going to fuck over your whole state. So that's pretty interesting. And then in 1869, they finally get very specific and they're like, guys, 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 in case it wasn't clear enough, all men have the right to vote regardless of race, color, or if they are formal slaves. Women still don't have the right to vote, but some states do start popping up giving them the right to vote. So Wyoming, Utah. Ooh. Um, yeah, Utah, that one, found that one real interesting. Utah, yeah, it's surprising. Um, Idaho, California, um, all this fun stuff. And then we finally decided in 1890, like, maybe votes should be secret. And I didn't realize that that was a new thing as of 1890. Uh, yeah, what? So I, I don't know how they did it before. I thought that was always a thing. <laughs> no, so they had to... Um, Many states began using secret ballots so that voters could not be bullied into voting for candidates they do not support. So I'm just like picturing a group of people like, raise your hand <laughs> if you vote for this person. Well, you know, you know what I'm thinking too? Because there are laws against people going into the actual like polling centers and campaigning for people while people are voting. Yes. And I think there's laws now that you have to be a certain amount of feet away from the polling places to be able to campaign. I, be I believe you're correct. The source I have from that is uh, Parks and Rec. Leslie Nope was, oh. had to be within a certain distance to campaign to become a congresswoman. Is that what she ran for? I think that's what it was. I'm Something pretty like sure. That. Anything. Anyway. Um, so now we are in the 1960s. We're just going to skip a hundred years almost. And um, <laughs> well, they, here comes another big thing of just like a shocking attempt of keeping the hand in like wealthy people's keeping the vote in wealthy people's hands. Um, we just then, in 1964, passed the 24th Amendment to the Constitution, outlining, outlawing poll taxes or tax fees for voting, which were being used to discourage poll pe poor people from voting. We were charging people to vote. What? That yeah. is their God, uh, no, not God-given. That is their constitutionally given right to vote. And, and gave them pay for it? And we what? had to outlaw that in 1964. So remember earlier when I told you to remember the date of 1850 of yeah. literacy laws? In 1965, we finally outlawed them. Wow. Yeah. So 110 years of literacy what? laws existing. Yeah. 
um, it, it changes the 15th Amendment to state that obstacles such as literacy tests or complicated ballot instructions are against federal law. And I'm not sure like how complicated these ballot instructions got, but as you're going to be talking about in a little bit, we've seen that people will do just about anything to keep people from fucking voting. Yes. Um, uh, in the 70s, that's when we lowered the voting age from 21 to 18. Basically because they were like, yeah, if you can be drafted to Vietnam, you can vote. Like, yeah. Honestly, that just makes sense. And I really feel as though, personal opinion here, if you can be drafted into war and you can (laughs) vote, you should be able to drink after you have to kill a man for your country. Yep. Anyway. I'm like, other countries have it at 18. It just makes sense. Um, that's another issue. That's a whole other issue. And then finally, in 1975, Congress expanded the Voting Rights Act once again to protect the voting rights of those people who do not speak or read English, trying to make sure that they have to accommodate people who are citizens who might not be able to speak or read English. So that's why on a lot of voting things, you actually see other languages. Can I ask a question? Yeah, lay it on me, dude. Is there anything, um, that they have done for people who are um, like blind as far as voting? Like, do they have access to somewhere? Uh, I where they, I, where like they have braille. braille voting and things like that. I believe that is included in the 1970s voting rights. So I think that that's one of the things, like, they can't read or speak English, like, they can't read English. Yeah. So I believe they have to have, now I want to say that in the electronic voting, electronic voting stations, they have headphones, oh. headphone spots, and things like that. Damn, I did um, not notice that. <laughs> did yeah. not notice that. I, wanna, I want to say that that's a thing. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so a lot of things have been done to try and improve what our voting started out as, because it sounded like it started out extra super shitty. Um, but Ashley started talking to me about gerrymandering, and I realized mm-hmm. that even though we did all of this <laughs> cool stuff, they're still going out of their way to try and stop us from voting. So this being our first intro into it we're probably going to cover a few more ways that they do this ash what's going on now to try and stop people from voting well i want to make sure that people actually know first off um what gerrymandering actually is because i know people hear it on the news and everything but i feel like a lot of people are like confused about how it works and everything so it is manipulating the boundaries of an electoral constituency so as to favor one party or class. Um, I got a lot of great information from a New York Times article. Uh, it is called What is Gerrymandering and Why Did the Supreme Court Rule on It? by Michael Wines, and it came out June 27th of this year. Um, <clears throat> so they use this as a way to make sure that um, the voting uh, is slanted towards like one side or the other. And generally the people in power 
um, at the time because the lines do get redrawn um, are the ones who get to do that. <laughs> so, uh, so any party can redraw the lines at any point? Not at any point. Um, but here, let me kind of like describe it for you. Okay, cool. Thank you. So a way for governing parties to cement themselves in power by tilting the political map steeply in their favor. The goal is to draw boundaries of legislative districts so that as many seats as possible are likely to be won by the party's candidates. Drafters of the maps accomplish it mainly through two practices, commonly called packing and cracking. <laughs> and I found this super interesting because I did not know this. Yeah. <laughs> a packed district is drawn to include as many of the op opposing parties of uh, voters as possible. That helps the governing party win surrounding districts where the op op opposition strength has been diluted to create the packed district. Can you give me an example of that? Because I'm like kind of picturing it in my head, but I want to make sure that it's still right. Um, so like if we were trying to draw our own packed district, we would want, so like, I'm Katie, I'm a Democrat, and I'm running mm -hmm. for whatever, and I'm redrawing the lines. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try and pack as many people in, as many people who aren't going to vote for me into one spot, because I yeah. already know that that one spot's going to them, and mm -hmm. it will then not really matter. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Like that's how they're doing it. And I don't know if you've ever seen like the maps of these uh, legislative lines, but some of them look crazy as hell. Like it's not, you would think that you would just have like a certain, you know, kind of square area or something like that. Yeah. They do everything to manipulate it as much as possible. What the fuck? Yeah. So, all right. And then this cracking is the opposite. It splits up clusters of opposition voters among several districts so that they will be outnumbered in each district. So, so if you're, this is for like, if you're voting for local and, um, and like state uh, representatives. Uh -huh. So if you have someone on like, all right, if you have someone on the Republican side in one district, you can use the cracking to make sure that um, the lines are redrawn in a way where it kind of uh, moves more of those people out of your district, uh, the opposing people out of your district, so that you can win that. Interesting. Yeah. Bullshit. So, an efficiently gerrymandered map has a maximum number of districts that each contain just enough governing supporters to let the party's candidates win and hold the seat safely, even during wave elections when the opposition does especially well, and it packs the opposition supporters into a minimum number of districts that the opposition will win overwhelmingly. Okay, okay, it's that kind of pulled it all together for me. Yeah. So, like, by doing a combination of both of these things, you're essentially rendering people's votes, like, uh, useless. Yes. And it all depends on who is in the, like, sitting power when these things get redrawn. Um, 
when can they redraw them? Hold on one second. Okay, usually after censuses. <clears throat> so here, currently rigged maps tend to be most prevalent and most tilted in states under Republican control. That is in part because Republicans did so well in the 2010 elections, giving the party far wider control over state legislatures, which oversaw redistricting after the 2010 census. Um, the National Republican oh. Party had... <laughs> I thought you said after sentences, and I was like, oh, what is sentences? Census. Okay. <laughs> I, I just thought about my mind is about to be blown. It still is blown, but for a quick <laughs> second, I was like, I'm about to learn something I've never heard of. <laughs> The National Republican Party had poured money and expertise into state legislative races with the specific aim of gaining control over redistricting. The Democratic Party had not. <sighs> um, uh, okay. I'm going to keep my personal opinions to myself. I know, I know, I know. All right. So let me drop Just this on that one. <laughs> I'm just going to give you a little like insight onto some stuff right now. Political scientists consider the house maps in Republican controlled states like North Carolina, Michigan, Ohio, and Texas to have the most pronounced partisan slants. Uh, Pennsylvania was also on the list until its map was redrawn last year. Where and then okay? to keep it even and balanced and unbiased among democratic held states, Maryland, Illinois, and to some observers, California, are regarded as the most tilted. Illinois is especially notable for its pizza slice division of metropolitan Chicago, using generous helpings of urban Democrats to offset the heavily Republican suburbs in, the di in district after district. After having lived there for five years and knowing that, that is actually super, I yeah yeah <laughs> i see it yeah <laughs> i've never been there but i believe it <laughs> so you know just to keep it unbiased so people don't get mad at me <laughs> no everyone's doing this and it's bullshit because it's just i don't know yeah not cool <laughs> so recently this issue came before the supreme court um and uh, opponents of gerrymandering have argued in a string of lawsuits dating back decades that the extreme partisan gerrymanders violate the Constitution. The Supreme Court, and you know what, it kind of does because it's like nullifying people's right to vote. It really so, does. It really does. So <laughs> the Supreme Court has struck down gerrymanders that were based on voters' race. Woo woo! <laughs> but it has wow. yet to invalidate a map based on party, mainly because the justices have not been able to agree on a legal standard that would let them distinguish between illegally partisan maps and acceptable ones, which I get. But like, can we get somebody working on that? Thanks. <laughs> Maybe I'm just oversimplifying the situation, mm -hmm. but it seems to me that it should literally just be like broken up into like squares yeah for a while and i think the 
polling place isn't there anymore, but there used to be a polling place like right down the street from us when one of the centers, it's now like a squash center and that was never where I voted, which was just weird. Yeah, and that's a part of it because that because it also sets it up for a lot of, and this is something that I'm pretty sure I learned on John Oliver. It sets it up so that in a lot of rural um, or like urban uh, areas that well, mainly in the more rural ones, but uh, it makes it difficult for people who don't have transportation to get to their actual polling place because it's so far away because of the redistricting. And that's, that's one way that they suppress people's votes. And honestly, it feels like we're going right back to voting taxes and poll taxing and things like that we're just finding different ways of doing it and that's sneaky and not cool and both yeah, sides man. are doing this just it's not let okay. the people vote let the people vote and if you're so worried that if the people actually get a vote that you're not going to be voted in maybe you need to be taking a better look inward at yourself because you should be more concerned with the safety and the concerns of your constituency jesus christ selfish people <laughs> exactly it's ridiculous. um yeah i have a little more <laughs> the oh, challenges really? yeah the challenge so um right now two states had uh something brought to the supreme court uh north carolina and maryland uh the challenges to the house maps in north carolina and maryland emphasized new legal arguments against partisan gerrymandering primarily that the practice punishes voters for choosing a particular party <laughs> like yeah that's i mean just so simple the majority opinion written by chief justice john g rock john g roberts jr said that in order for judges to evaluate claims of part partisan gerrymandering, they would need a limited and precise standard that would be clear, manageable, and politically neutral, but no one had proposed one. The court noted that it was not condoning or endorsing partisan gerrymandering. Rather, it said that Congress and the states have the power to deal with the issue. Clearly, that's not working. So like, if that's what you need, to to make a decision on it can we like form a group of people to figure it the fuck out like how hard is that i yeah no i i don't i'm having a really difficult time understanding why that hasn't happened yeah and maybe it's just like budgets money it's kind of like they're just like not my problem but it sounds exactly i was just gonna say but it sounds like they're being like "Mm, that sounds like someone else's problem and then you're like whose problem they're like we don't know and then they just walk away yeah that's exactly what that sounds like lazy asses asses. sorry ruth bader ginsburg (sighs) but can't they be like it's your problem and this group of you you're gonna figure it out can't they do that yeah can we like pick certain people who are like experts on this and just figure it out. <laughs> Why don't we just take the people who were arguing each side of the case and be like, you guys, plus all of you Congress members, you're going to figure it out together. Yes, make a committee. 
out of your Congress people. Am I just like vastly <laughs> like misunderstanding how these things work? <laughs> no. Mm. <laughs> Mike is not nodding, so maybe he's not listening. But I feel like if I was misunderstanding, he would be nodding if I was. <laughs> he's not listening. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all very frustrating because it's an easy problem to solve. I, I feel like. What? <laughs> What's happening? Mike said, it seems like we're having a private conversation on our podcast. Yeah, I record <laughs> all of my private conversations <laughs> and then post them on Spotify. It's <laughs> exactly what I do. Yeah, that's exactly what we do. Private that's what conversation between you and your audience. <laughs> what? He's just being ridiculous. Stop being facetious. Um, <laughs> he can't even hear me. <laughs> I got to watch that happen. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I yeah. I don't. Do you have anything else? I don't. Um, not for this time. There is so much more that we want to talk about, though. So we are definitely going to be making more episodes of this, guys. And we hope that you learned some. I almost said some fun things, but <laughs> yeah, um, really fun. Yeah, it's so fun. I hope this has been a little bit more eye-opening about the things that are actually happening in our government right now, um, and the ways that they are working against the people that they say they are for. <sighs> yes, and I hope that this was informative and fun to listen to. <laughs> But like, hopefully you just learned something because that's why I've been really enjoying doing this. Just I've been learning so much and talking about it kind of helps me solidify the knowledge in my mind. Yeah. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.